Before we start the podcast, we wanted to update you on our end-of-season live podcast taking place on Tuesday the 8th of May at the Roundhouse in Camden with special guests Clint Hill and Sean Derry. The event is now sold out. That's right, all the tickets have gone. Thank you for those who supported us and bought a ticket. If you didn't manage to get a ticket and you still would like to come, there is a possibility that some tickets will become available um, nearer the time. If you want to try and still get a ticket, the only way you can now do this is by being put on the waiting list. Email us at waitinglist at qprpod.co.uk and we'll see what we can do. All tickets that become available will be distributed on a first-come, first-served basis. QPR, QPR, Hello, this is Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser and I'm here with the other regulars, Paul Finney and Chris Charles. And this is a very special show because unlike most weeks when we're cramped into a makeshift studio in North London, we're at the mecca of football itself, Loftus Road. Uh, that's because we're in conversation with our club chairman, Tony Fernandez. You'll all be familiar with Tony or Uncle Tony, as he's known to some of our fan base. Uh, an accountant by trade, he's had, has had a hugely successful business career before turning his attention to football in 2011, buying QPR from Bernie Eccleston. His tenures had ups and downs. The club at one point had a wage bill twice that of turnover, has been served with an FFP fine, and there have been two Premier League relegations, one promotion and six permanent managers. He himself has conceded that in those early years, I was easy prey, new meat. I'm not going to pretend I didn't make mistakes. There are, of course, positives and arguably green shoots starting to show. Improved financial performance, gold standard community work, more young players coming through, and given that we're sitting here across the table from him, arguably improved relations and clearer dialogue with the fans. Uh, two things to say at this point. Number one, we're speaking a few days before the last home game of the season against Birmingham, so we're not going to tackle the issue of pitch invasions and so on, as it may well be moot by the time you hear this. Uh, number two, this interview was at Tony Fernandez's suggestion, and we've been told we can ask anything we like, so we will. Uh, the, club, the club and Tony have not asked for editorial control or approval over the questions, uh, or the edit, which, to be fair, they never do when providing us with a guest. So this is Tony Fernandez uncut. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've been besieged on Twitter with questions to ask. We'll try and get through as many as possible. But apologies in advance if we don't get around to all of them. Without further ado, Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks and thank for you. Uh, having me on board. Thank you for your time. Uh, l- loads and loads of questions have come in. Uh, we're going to start with one from Paul Gibbons, who asked on Twitter, quite simply... Do you think you are doing a good job? Well, that's that's relative. Um, I think from where we are right now, um, okay. Um, if you give a A, B, C, D, maybe a C plus, um, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think your intro has kind of spelt it out quite well. Uh, but I've always said this is is not a, a sprint. Uh, it's a it's it's a marathon. It's going to take a long time to get right. But the key thing that I'm pleased about is I'm still here, we're still focused, we're still trying to do what we thought we would do right at the beginning, where we obviously made some mistakes, and uh, we're heading in the right direction. Um, So, yeah, C+. 
why why did you t- t- take us through why you got involved with the club because it was quite well publicized well i've loved football i mean that's no no secret um i've been successful in business but i've i've loved football i've been listening to football when it was on radio um i was a west ham fan that's clearly known and uh, i lived down the road at Oxbridge road and i always had a uh, kind of you know nice feeling about QPR love the way they played devastated when they didn't win the um, first division that season um, and used to come here whenever I could um, so you do things that you love that's been my philosophy and uh, when I failed in getting to buy West Ham uh, Bernie Eccleston or Flavio actually at the time said mm. if you want to be a part shareholder and, and chairman of QPR I jumped at the opportunity Halfway through the negotiations, Bernie said, take it all. Um, and that's when we roped in the others. Uh, Are you pleased you did? Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't change it for a minute. I mean, there's been horrific downs. There's been horrific abuse. But there's been horrifically great days. Um, it's, it's a boy's own story to be standing there on the pitch at Wembley. Uh, a game we were completely outplayed, but... That's what's so great about football, and those memories can't be taken away. You know, um, watching us beat Stoke uh, and getting completely hammered um, in the pub uh, later, <laughs> and then realizing we weren't out of it. We still have to go up to Man City. Um, yeah. The Wigan semi-final. You know, there've been many, many great days. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, there'd be many, many sad days. And there are many days where you think, why do you do this? But overall, wouldn't trade it for a second. Tony, we've got a question from Johnny Mack here from Twitter. It says, uh, what's the plan and expectation for the next year, next four years on and off the pitch? Do you know, I'm not going it, to... It's impossible to talk about plans in football because there's so many, so many unknowns in football. Um, and anyone who says, well, I'm going to follow this plan is, is clearly lying. What we can... Did you, did you think that... Did you have that view and that opinion in 2011? No, no. I, I thought it was easier Mm. as I've said many times I thought you pay someone a wage and they'd work very hard for you it was a new concept for me that someone could take a large amount of money and decide not to even play Um, these were all new things to me something it wasn't in my DNA Uh, so I think right now we're in a situation where we need my buzzword there is a buzzword is sustainability right so what I'm trying to do with my other shareholders is build a club that's sustainable. Sustainable in simple things like Paul. Ian's been a, a big part of this club. He's leaving. You're talking about Paul Morrissey in yeah, the communications correct. department, not our Paul. No, definitely <laughs> yes. not. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Paul slipped in very easily. That's sustainable. The club has replaced someone who's been very senior with a, a fantastic replacement, maybe even better. Uh, we're starting that. We're starting that in in the in the pitch with the academy. I talked about that right at the beginning. I've said academy, 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 and I said it's not just about building a fantastic academy. It's about having the right coaches. It's about having the right technical director, etc. No one can say. And the academy is two things. It's bringing in players into the academy whether it's Ezzy from Millwall or Shea Till from West Brom or, or Charlie from Spurs, etc. It's, it's 
that's been a big part of the academy, which I think we didn't do before. It's just people taking our players mm. uh, from the academy and developing some young lads. Um, and those green shoots, as you mentioned at the beginning, are beginning to happen. We've, you know, we, we were always so thrilled that we had one player playing one game at the end of the season. Um, and now we regularly have players and we have lots knocking at the door. That's sustainability so that you, know, you, you constantly have a flow of players like, uh, like Southampton, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then sustainability financially. We've made a lot of progress, but we're at a huge disadvantage. We have a small ground. We're the third smallest ground in, in the league. Um, you know, I have lots and lots to say in FFP, but I, I can't just yet, and I've, I can do a dissertation on it now. Um, <laughs> in that, you know, we are, is it fair... Our income will never be the same as Derby's income because they have a, a much larger fan base. And so, you know, are we always got to play second fiddle to them when you follow financial fair play because they have 15, 20 million pounds more in terms of, of revenue um, going forward? So if QPR will always be at a disadvantage, you always have to have a lower wage bill to, to follow the FFP regulation. So... You know, we do need to build a sustainable model, and that will include a stadium. I'm sure there's a question on it at some stage today. Can be sure of it. Yep. And um, but and so there's sustainability at every level: financial, on the playing field, and for staff to build some longevity into it. So over the next four years, you know, we've started this this road um, of being financially sustainable, which I think we're there and thereabouts. Um, we have begun this journey this season. I think it was a very important season of bringing in youth into from from the academy under twenty three team. I think we've got the best scouting we've had in QPR for a long time. I think everyone we brought in uh, over the last two or three windows have been fairly decent um, since Gary Penrice has come in, and that you know we've got Josh. Uh, Scowen, Freeman, uh, we've got high prospects for Bright Samuel and Wheeler. Um, even Matt Smith has, has performed better than, than he had in any other club and he's, mm. he's you know, really looking forward to the preseason. Uh, so we've got that kind of sorted out. Um, I'd like to see a really professional medical team and sports science team um, to make sure we lessen our injuries. Um, We've built a, a, a squad, and I'm sure you're going to ask me about Les and everyone else, but we've got, by coincidence, whatever, we've got a back room that's almost all QPR. Gary was at QPR, and Les was at QPR, um, Ian's at QPR, etc. So uh, we've done some things right, uh, and over the four years, we hope to just build on that slowly and steadily. It's not about going out there and spending £20 million on a striker or whatever, going up and then going right down again, right? I mean, I think... That that's that's the danger. It's about making sure that we can keep building and, and building the right things and, and and staying up. Of course, we want to get up to the Premier League. Of course, we want to, but we want to be there for a long term. There was a sign I saw at Everton, which has always stuck in my mind: twenty years, non-stop Premier League. Right? I mean, that then we would have done something good for the club to be a sustainable club in the Premier League, which is damn hard when you look at the three teams that might come down. You know, you'd, you'd think Stoke would be there for a long time. You think West Brom would be for there for a long time, and um, they may come down. Even Southampton, that we all rave about. So it's tough. Um, but that. 
So to answer your question in a very, very long-winded way, I think making sure we are sustainable over the next four years and hopefully challenging, hopefully challenging in, in some of those years to get back mm. up to the promised land. Yeah, um, going back to the youth team, um, we've had, I think it's six academy heads in the last six years. Mm. So is that basically because we're always going to be in a situation where when people start doing a good job at QPR, they get pinched? Mm. Um, well, I mean, that's... That's a function of the world, right? Um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of people probably looking at all our young players now. Mm. It's how determined are we to keep them and maximize the value. And, and sometimes it's, it's players. You know, I sat with Josh Bowler um, mm. in mm. the hall. I said, don't go. It's not a selfish reason. I've, in the same way, I'd sit with a co-pilot at uh, AirAsia and say, you shouldn't leave until you're a captain. And then you, you know... I told Josh, you've made one debut, you did well, you know, establish yourself in the first team um, and build from it. Say, go to Everton, you could disappear. Mm. He's disappeared, but I, as a chairman, sat down with him, with Ian Holloway, to try and persuade him. So there's a limit to what we can do as well. Mm. Um, that's, that's the nature of the beast. When a big club comes along, you're, you're seduced by a whole variety of things. And agents, you know some of the biggest problems in that aspect as well. So, um, yes, I think so. But I think we have in Chris Ramsey a very loyal guy, a very good guy. Remember, it's not easy for someone who has um, been a manager mm. and then asked to step down mm -hmm. and then go back to the academy to stay with the club. Mm. Um, and he has. And then he's come and got involved and, and helped Ian through the last few games. And I think he's made a difference. Um, so I'm confident Chris will stay with us, um, but who knows? Right? Neil, sorry, Dave, one other thing is, a lot of people will expect us to ask this question and think it's, it's a fair one to ask. Mm. In the years you've been here, the hundreds of millions that we've spent, mm. where would you say we got value for money as a, and where did we go wrong? Let's say things like Mike Rigg and people like that though. Well, let's, let's take one step at a time. Okay. Did we get value for money? No. Okay. Right. Um, in a lot of our players. That's, that's where the major money went. Um, and, you know, it, I, I was saying, QPR did an interview with me, which would go out after the end of the season, um, that uh, we, I always expected someone to play hard and play with them for their heart. But when I look at the scouting reports I get now, versus what I got when I came in as a chairman. Mm. It's chalk and cheese. Gary Penrise follows a player for a year. He ensures the character is good. He knows the parents. He's, you know, he's done research. I never got that kind of report. And these are not just English players. He's doing the same kind of reports for French players or Dutch players mm. or German players. Um, and the intricacy and the level of detail we're getting versus what we got before as shareholders and chairman of the club is chalk and cheese so these are the, so we didn't get value but there's no point crying over spilt milk we have to move forward uh, did we get value in the backroom staff not all right that's clear because the backroom staff made some of those decisions as well mm. right um, so but you learn you yeah. can run away hold your head and fail and say well blame everyone else or you can hold your head up and say, yep, you screwed up, but you're going to fix this. You have a responsibility. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. Um, 
Tony, we're talking on this subject of sustainability mm. uh, and building, I guess, firmer foundations. We've had a question from Clive from Loft for Words and also Steve Sace has asked something similar. Is the current strategy with the squad driven by the board's desire to change or the league's FFP rules? Uh, I guess is this this sustainability sounds sensible, but are we? Do we now have a sustainable outlook because it's a necessity because of the financial position we're no, in? No, I mean I think was that always. The no, plan? I think that was. If you look at the very first interview I did, I believed in sustainability, and we went, of course, and we never thought we'd get relegated, and it all went pear shaped. I do believe in sustainability. I think that's the most important thing of the the kind of shareholders of this club. But is to there ensure. Mu- there, you say you went, of course, there must have been a point where that happened because we were in the situation where our, our wages were massively exceeding yeah. turnover. We, we Well, we didn't expect to, to go down the way we went down. Plus, we were working on a new stadium. We, we thought we'd get a new stadium much quicker. The revenue would go up and all these kind of things just never came into place but uh no to answer your question directly i think whether the ffp was there or not we believe this is the right way to do it mm. um and we we're six seven years the wiser and we've seen lots of other clubs i mean look at preston they they've got a lesser wage bill than us yet they're pushing with the players look at millwall uh sheffield united brentford. so brentford yeah I think brentford's a, is a good example they have a different model slightly different model how far do you they? think we are behind the likes of say, Brentford and, and Fulham, dare I say? Fulham has taken the same approach as us, right? Yeah, so for yeah. two years, they let go of a lot of players. You know, they, they still had some heavy wage earners in terms of uh, Scott Parker and stuff like that. And they were, they were almost relegated in their first season. They were in the bottom half and they slowly, one year by year, they brought in a lot of young players, right? So we're probably about two years behind Fulham uh, directly. I've not looked at Brentford so much because they, they, they move a lot of players in and out. They have a, a very different kind of model on how they find players from how we do it. And arguably, they've been pretty successful as well. So, But we're taking more of the Fulham approach. Um, and I'd say we're about two years behind them, maybe. Because the worry for a lot of fans is, hey... Just one sorry. point, just going back to Fulham. Again, they have a slight advantage over us with a bigger stadium. Mm. And so they have the ability to go out there and, and buy a couple of bigger players. They have a, actually also sold some as well. Plus they've got a, a mind-bogglingly brilliant academy, um, mm. as in facility-wise and everything else. Um, you're right, Chris. Um, the other thing is, when we talk, we look at, obviously we got beat by Brentford. Fulham have had like the hoodoo on us for years now. We're kind of losing a lot of local games. So hopefully next season we can get more. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's tough on the team... For Brentford, I mean, we, we didn't have a one established centre-back. We put Darnell in there. That's the first time he's played centre-back. With in, in, in a, and a Baptiste that's really brought in as a right-back. Um, so, you know, that, and, and you build from the back, right? You've got to have a, a solid back line. And to be fair to the team this season, we've had unbelievable bad luck on injuries in the back. Um, you know, the one blessing is Jack Robinson came through. Um, otherwise, we would have been in real, real, real problems at the back. We had two players effectively their debut: Darnell mm. and Osman Kakai. Yeah, against a very a team that's pushing for the Robust playoffs, as well. right? Against Fulham, I think we've we've done okay. Um, 
But look, as a, you know, we want to beat our local rivals. We, we Damn right we do. Ian, Ian went out there to put the best possible team. He was unlucky with injuries. Uh, so we'll have to see, you know, but hopefully we'll compete more. But again, if you look at this season, bar a few bizarre blowout results, we competed with everyone. We beat Cardiff. We beat Wolves. Um, we haven't been outplayed. Even it's a very QPR thing to do, to, to beat the top teams. and then. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, Mark, of, Mark Bertram said that to me. There's been a few, I mean, the waveform is a worry for a lot of fans. Yeah, um, and that, that, but that, again, that that's be been picking up. I mean, we kept losing by the odd goal, bar Forrest. You know, I was in America with the Rangers fans in New York. And uh, I was just looking. I mean, we'd won the week before. We played well, and then... If we have a we'll big just... forest, can we build a statue to whoever scores a goal at the city ground? Yeah. <laughs> but like forests, you can't blame me. Was like we've had a bad luck against forests for a long, long, long time, way before me. But look, point taken. I don't want to lose any game. No, I mean, you know, especially don't want to lose to the local rivals. But you don't really want to lose to anyone, right? No. So we've got to we've got to turn some of those one nils into one nils for us. We've got to turn some of those narrow games into draws. We've got to be better away from home. And, uh, you know, we have a pre-season to try and, and fix some of those things and, and build on some of the good things and erase some of the bad things. And you keep hearing me emphasizing about the medical side. I, mm. I think we really, for me as an airline person, my engineers are held accountable when I can't fly a plane. Right? Interesting. Um, their job is to keep the planes flying. Because when, when you have a $40 million plane on the ground and it can't fly, that's painful to me, right? When I have a 15000 pounds a week player who's sitting up in the stands that's painful now not every one of these are caused by and that some are just bad luck and hamstrings but i think some of those injuries are controllable and we'll have to work harder at it is this is this emphasis coming from you or is this what's been recommended by the football guys in the club saying that no that's sort that, that, that's a bit size. from me i've been i've been on that for for a bit Makes sense. Um, yeah, question from Joe Hilton um, says, what is the current state of play with Warren Farm? Right. Well, that's a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> Joe Hilton or Warren Farm? No. Probably both. both. Joe, yeah. Hilton, Joe Hilton. I don't know Joe Hilton. Lovely but, fella. But, oh, it's a woman. Oh, it's a man. No, it's a, yeah. man. Uh, it's a man. For some reason, I felt Joe Hilton was J-O. <laughs> um, He's <laughs> He'll enjoy so, that one. Yeah. Okay. Very bearded woman. Well, yeah. We were almost there when, mm. when you talk about QPR being the almost mm-hmm. almost club, yeah. uh, and then they decided to go to the Supreme Court. Um, obviously, you've seen Ealing's statement. You know we've won two cases already. We are ploughing through with Warren Farm. We're continuing. We're, we're going to do some of the work to while we're waiting for the appeal to to carry on some of the archaeology. Um, works and environmental mm. works so we're ploughing ahead Warren Farm's important must hurt love um, because it's so needed we need that place yeah I mean but you know as I've said building anything in London is harder than building an airline Aye. which the fans don't understand and it kind of irritates me I mean I'm human like all of you when I bust my balls I'm not supposed to know if I say that no, on, away. On, on the podcast and someone says oh god you just talk big about Warren Farm but you've done nothing Every day we are pushing on the stadium in Warren Farm. Every day. And it's soul-destroying when you think the fans think you're doing nothing. Um, and here we've got a, four or five people, I don't even know how many are involved, who have stalled this training ground for a year and a half. It could be almost ready. 
Yeah. It might have been ready for this season. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. We can cry about it and give up, or we can keep fighting, and we're going to keep fighting, and I'm pretty sure we're going to win. And uh, we'll have that training ground up in, you know, two years after that decision comes. We're trying to trying to speed it up so maybe we'll have half of it. The pitchers are ready, and the boys will be in porter cabins initially. Oh, right, okay. Building it. So we're trying to find ways... Yeah. To try and do it quicker, but I think the minimum is going to take two years. Would we be looking at somewhere temporary until then? Or are we going to stay? No, we'll stay then? where we are. Okay. I have a meeting with Imperial after this on a, on a few issues. And you mentioned the stadium. Sorry, David. Um, what's the state of play with the stadium? I mean, well, we know I mean, that, that's, you know, if you think the training ground was, <laughs> was hard. So, so uh, before you answer this, I, we've had loads and loads of questions on the stadium. Yeah. I would say they're in three main themes. Yeah. One is general. What's the update on it? The second one is the view, which you can address that we should that that we were kind of uh, it was it was a, always a lost cause at Old Oak, and why did we get involved with that? Which you can address, yeah. uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, and then the third one is around the the kind of revenue from the housing regeneration project in Old Oak, and whether that and how uh, whether that will directly benefit the club. Okay, let's do the third one. That's the easiest. Hundred percent. The, the whole reason for Old Oak, and maybe we're visionary, maybe we're dreamers, but hey, I started an airline with two planes, right? Um, and now we've got 230 planes. I thought Old Oak could be fantastic in, one, providing us money to build a stadium, two, providing jobs for the community um, in terms of create, doing creative things in, in creating incubators, in reskilling people, retraining people, etc., from places like Brent where the unemployment is high. And three, provide nicer homes for people who live around this area, which would include a lot of our fans. So that was the, the dream, right? Seems very simple. Seems very easy. Seems very logical. We're not property developers. We're not here to squeeze every last bit of profit. We just wanted to make enough money to build a stadium, right? And we thought the stadium would be a, a, a key center part in uh, regenerating Old Oak, being the placemaker. It hasn't worked out that way, but because of that, other opportunities have come out. Um, but to answer your first question very quickly, yes, all that money goes into the, the stadium, right? Question two was... Question two was around, did, what, was, was Old Oak ever a realistic proposition? I, I think it was, because it uh, still might be. Um, but, uh, but as I've said, you know, governments change, mayors change, uh, thinking changes... Car giant changes their views, all kinds of things. And someone asked whether did we go out? You know, do, do you regret picking a fight with car giant? We never picked a fight with car giant. Car giant just had their own ambitions. I've sat down with Jeff Warren, and we've tried. We've tried to work with them. Um, it's it's tough because all we want is profit to build a stadium or piece of land to build a stadium. But from that, some things have turned out. Now I can't comment much on it now um, because from old oak from old oak from from old oak other areas have developed um other ideas have developed look it's a sensitive period because council elections are coming up and mm -hmm. all these things are coming up so we, we don't we don't really want to talk much about it but the stadium is is if running a football club is a marathon <laughs> the stadium is a is a dynasty <laughs> um it's going to take a long time but it's damn important. We haven't given up. We're not dreamers. I took an airline from two planes to 230 
um, it's there. It just takes time and takes a lot of work and takes a lot of patience. Uh, and are we now, does now the Linford Christie Stadium look to be the most realistic site for? I, I don't want to comment time? on what's realistic and what's not because it's changed so many times, but we have a few options. And uh, it's not a marathon or a sprint, there's a hint. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Peter Jeffrey says given any new stadium seems highly unlikely I mean you sort of address that um, are there any soon s- yeah, soon. Yeah, soon okay soon. are there any significant plans to improve the facilities and experience at Loftus Road and make it more enjoyable to visit in keeping with the prices charged to do so yeah I mean I think we're trying to I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a discussion looking at toilets looking at food looking at various things we can do I had a junior fan forum and they asked can we extend the roof uh, we can't, uh, but but um, you know definitely we want to we want to uh, we want to improve the experience here because the worry I have Tony is that yeah. a lot of people that come to Rangers don't come back mm. and you know South Africa listen I'm Dan the World QPR as like these two guys are and yourself and I become and we'll never leave but it is getting a bit crammed up there and it is getting you can't get a drink. Toilets are terrible to get to and stuff like that. We seem to be. If we could just do some wee tweaking. Yeah, I think. I think. While you were talking, sorry, we should. No, no, no. We should sit down as a group. Um, You know, I met a couple of really great guys in the pub one day who, who I then set up a meeting with Lee, um, and some of the management team. I think it'd be good to have a dedicated group of fans who can sit down with us because you. I do it on. I do it in the airline. I meet passengers and I sit down with them mm. and I say, well, what would you want? You know, we, we crowdsource a lot of ideas. Hopefully they never say Mark Hughes. Sorry? Hopefully they never say Mark Hughes. <laughs> we'll come on to that in a so, minute. Uh, so, so I've been given very strict instructions on Mark Hughes. Um, <laughs> what, by, 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 by the, the new set. Supremo. Okay. Sitting up. Never got a team but, relegated. But let's, let's, Nothing like a trial. Let's He's going to get two relegated let's, this year. Let's, Sorry, go on. No, no, let's finish this off. I think uh, after this, <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend to Lee yeah, that maybe because you guys live the experience, we don't. We don't sit in every bit. We don't go through what you go through. So, with a few tweaks, which you know won't break the bank, but make the experience better. Definitely. Why not? So Definitely. I'm going to suggest to Lee after this that I mean Lee's welcome to sit with us or whatever. I mean it's pretty much Elsley, South Africa. It's pretty much the same. Work yeah. up to leg room and else. Yeah. It's just. It's not pleasant sometimes, and we're not we're not yeah. you're not making as much revenue as you should do from yeah. people coming here. Yeah, and no, that's no. definite. So let's let's get a session together yeah. and see what we can do within reason. Um, look, I'm a I think I saw one question. I'm a big supporter of safe standing. Oh, me too. Big big supporter of safe standing. I think standing. we all are, aren't we? Mm, um, yeah. And yeah. I think the decision by the sports ministers, I, I just can't understand it. But Baffling. There are a lot of things I can't understand in in um, regulatory standpoint. Uh, but we are supporters, and we'll keep pushing for it. And uh, you would be, in principle, supporters of safe standing here at Loftus Road. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Where where would you? Where would it be? Uh, Loftus Road. Well, right behind us for a start. Which in the paddock. Point, oh. Pointing to the paddocks. Yes, yes. and the, okay. right. the loft. Um, and there's no reason for the paddocks down here to be not um, like the safe old days as like well, right? Days, yeah. I think the atmosphere would be better. Would I think the experience be would be better um, rather than. Yeah, is it yeah. likely though being you know, is it likely or is it just a dream again well I see it happening more and more in Europe so mm. I mean obviously we've had some horrific issues in sport here with standing so people say well it's been safe since why do you want to change something that's working you know so but I think it's a possibility I mean look it's 
it certainly seems to have the support of many, many, many clubs. Um, well, we so stood on Saturday at Brentford, it's fine. Sorry? If, if you do it properly, at Brentford, we stood on Saturday in that little rickety stand, and it was fine. Yeah. You know, like, the standing bit was fine. I think people have changed. We got, I mean, don't forget, in the 70s and the 80s, and even some 90s, there was a lot of hooliganism about that's more or less disappeared. Correct. So I think bringing back yeah. standing would improve this place 100%. So, I mean, I'm 100% in support of that. Uh, but going back, I think I will recommend to Lee, and I'll, you know, uh, Paul mentioned it, that maybe a group of you sit down and give us some suggestions on how we can make the experience better. I think, look, we need more revenue. Mm. We've talked about that from the very beginning. And uh, if you guys can give us some ideas that make sense commercially, we'll do it. Tony, we want to ask you about FFP. A mm. um, few questions around this. I, I guess to kick off, how worried should our fans no, be don't, don't worry. about FFP? Don't worry. I mean, look, I, I'm still alive. I haven't. Gray, I'm, you've got more grey hair than me. <laughs> um, that'll go on. That'll go on the movie poster. <laughs> um, we we we're okay. We're okay. We'll find a resolution to it. Um, when it's over, you should spend half a day with me on a half a day podcast on FFP. I could do a dissertation on it right now. Do a series and, on it. Yeah, it could. So, I mean, you, you've been widely quoted as saying that you believe it's this whole system is unfair. Yeah, I think I think the system is right. I think the implementation of the system um, has some flaws. I think we were caught right in the middle of rules being changed and grandfather rights being changed. And, and, and so, you know, I think there's lots of arguments. But that's not an excuse for breaking the rules, is it? If the rules are there, we well, need to well, abide by the rules. I, I really can't make a comment right now on that because... Um, but just, be, just hanging... I think the question is... You've digressed. Um, (laughs) the question was uh, should we be worried I'm saying no don't be worried I've got less grey hair than you we will find a solution and one day I will tell all because the weird thing is you've got like Wolves who obviously have spent loads of money you've got Mm. Aston Villa Fulham have been clever they've paid massive loan fees and it just seems the whole thing from a layman's point of view as a fan Seems a force. How can you make these? Like Leeds have got a bigger ground than us. Mm. Phil have got a bigger ground than us. So how can we be yeah, so, in line? It's yeah. ridiculous. So I think there's a lot of issues within it. We're going mm. through those issues. And uh, the principle is right. The principle is right. But there are many loops, gaps, ways. I mean, for a start, we were done on a one-year rule. Well, now it's become a three-year rule, right? Yeah. So there, there's a whole... There was you know lots of things. So let's... You know, timetable on resolution. I, 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 we haven't been very good at timetables, right? One Warren Farm, <laughs> two stadiums. Uh, Which will come first? Resolu- in what order? Resolution on FFP, Warren Farm Stadium. Prince Charles become king. It'll be before Prince Charles become a king. <laughs> um, so, so I, I would say resolution FFP first. Okay. Because you would, I read somewhere that you had the casting vote to bring FFP in. Interview the Telegraph, you said. Uh, yeah. When we were in the yeah. Premier League, mine was the yeah. casting vote, vote to bring Yeah, I, I fundamentally believe in it. I fundamentally believe in it. It's just there are lots of. Now I've become a super expert. The, you know, I, I, could reg, I could do it better, I think. And I will do my best to try and get it better and speak to the regulators on that. 
Okay. Uh, b- before we move on, can I just make the point that out of everyone in this room, I think everyone has more grey hair than you. Fi- I-, I would say Finney does. Paul Morrissey <laughs> definitely does. Chris not does. The so, sound man. so it's not not Harry the engineer. It's ju- it's, so it's not just me who's got more hair. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a sensitive uh, David. Well, you know, <laughs> you haven't got a sunroof like mine, have you? No. <laughs> um, That's when you start worrying. We're going to move on to managers. Yeah. Now you've already uh, hinted that you have been uh, kind of primed not to talk about Neil Warren and Mark Hughes, uh, but we're, we're going to ask you anyway. So Abo, <laughs> Abo has a question: uh, Why, why, took, why did you get rid of Neil Warnock for Mark Hughes, and okay. do you regret that decision? All right. So let's go back. We we had lost to Milton Keynes. Everyone told me the dressing room was lost. There was. It, it seemed it seemed like we were doomed after that Milton Keane Ali, Ali Fowlin got you know, it still sticks in my brain mm-hmm. um, and so everyone said it's time to make a change um, I can say one thing we wouldn't have probably spent the money we did if Neil was still there so at that point I if I could go back in time yeah probably I would have liked to have kept him would have gone down maybe maybe not who knows we, you'll never know that's a sad thing in life but but um, but we made that decision, and we have to stand by it at the time. Do I regret it now? Yes, hundred percent on that on that on that moment. I think people have asked about Reading after you know we beat Reading. Why wasn't Neil kept on? So Neil had made it very clear to me his wife was not well. He only wanted to stay in management for six weeks, and so we planned on that. You know, he came in and he said he didn't want it full time. He wanted to look after his wife. She wasn't well. And so we had to go and look for a manager. When he decided to change his mind, we already had appointed uh, uh, Jimmy Hasselback. Mm. So that's the reason for Neil. I have a fantastic relationship with him. We still talk regularly. Um, And uh, so going back, that was taken out of my hands because he told me, no, we already appointed someone. Then he changed his mind. So that when was, you said everyone, everyone was telling me to get who do, who do you mean by everyone was telling me we had to? Uh, make a I don't change? think it's right for me. To, okay, no, not to, name names, but do you mean people within the? You club mean people within, within the club? club. Yeah. yeah, within the club. Uh, also, how much impacted the? Because the I know at MK Dons a lot of discontent amongst the fans when we lost, and there was a lot of you know. Uh, yeah, well, we, we didn't lose, did we? We did. Did we, did we lose? Or we I lose. can't remember. We, 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 no, we lost. lost poorly. We yeah. lost poorly. Yeah. Um, we had Makeda on. Lovely fella. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But the fact there was a lot of. <laughs> Did that run a lot, though? A lot of fans calling for his head as well. Did that yes. influence your decision? No. Um, I think fans were disappointed with the performance, right? And they were like. So it was all a lot of things at, at that time. It was, you know, we had started off relatively well mm. and then we just had sunk. Um, and we looked rudderless. Because some would say, and being the morning get that I am, I certainly would say we haven't ever recovered from that because that's the highest we were mm. since our return from the Premier League. We mm. never refused, Redknapp, and so on. We never actually got to that level mm. again, or won as many away. Well, games. you could even say, you could even say, you know, we stayed up because of those early wins. Absolutely. Right? Um, so there are lots of arguments. Equally, Mark Hughes got us to beat Tottenham and Arsenal. Adel Tarep was, was, was great, right? Mm. So. It's six and a half, you know. Did, did he actually? Sorry, David. Sorry, go back to Mark Hughes. Is it? Is it? The idea is that he interviewed you guys. Was that actually the case? He had what? He, he interviewed, interviewed the board. Right? Because he said his famous quote was, "I've met the board. They've met me. You know, 
I, I agree with what the There was a is. feeling of that. Okay. There was a it's feeling. Spin up, it was it. like, well, he had come from a pretty decent performance at Fulham. He'd done all right in all his managerial jobs. He said he wanted to go to a project that had more ambition. And so there was a feeling that he was interviewing us in some ways. Okay. Yes. And that wouldn't happen now, one presumes. <sighs> Look, we're a lot wiser and smarter now. Okay. Th- there's, um, we're different, right? There's not a lot of love amongst the fans for Mark Hughes and his time here. Mm. How do you feel about that era? I'll look across at Paul. Don't look at Paul Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, could you see yeah. <laughs> Paul, I think someone needs you outside. Look, yeah. look I, 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 I told Paul um, that I've got to be true to myself as well. Um, how could anyone, as a chairman, say that was a fantastic period? It was a hugely disappointing period. It, it came in with a lot of promise. Um, and uh, it was disappointing. To, to be honest, when he, it was kind of bizarre. I mean, if you remember some of the earlier games of that first Premier League season, we competed. You know, we, we outplayed Chelsea to, to, a, certain, to a certain part in that, in that in when we lost 2-1, right, at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And football is really a game of fine margins. You know, you go into a winning streak, in a three or four and then and then you know I mean you look at that game I mean Harry was manager um, two nil down two all um, and then we lose in the last second Stephen Corker kicks it into the own goal at Liverpool right three two so it's uh, it's one of those those odd things but no I mean could, I don't think anyone in their right mind could say that that was a uh, you know, they would be happy as chairman on that period. No, I wasn't. Until the day I die, I think that was a that was a, a poor period for QPR and myself personally. Because you said at the time, didn't you, if Mike Rigg doesn't become the best signing QPR has ever made, you'd resign or along those lines. Mm, mm. So what what was it he brought that you thought I've got someone here this could, could change things? Or well, I thought I mean we've always been looking for those that guy that could bring some structure to the scouting. They can bring some structure to the back room and. We thought he had that. I mean, mm. you know, so he's gone to Fulham. And, is he still in Fulham? I have no idea. He's probably off with a backpack somewhere. No. Without, I'm not asking you to get personal here about, about yeah. Mark Hughes, yeah. but why don't you think it worked? Because the, bought, everything was brought, there former Man City manager, Fulham manager, wanted a big project. Mm, why mm. didn't, what's your view on why I think why he it didn't, didn't spend work? enough time on the players that we chose. So what did he I, spend his time on? I'm not sure I wasn't following him every day, but if I look at how we look at players now and how we talk to Ian or Gary Penrice or anyone, it just wasn't done. Um, you know, when Jisung Park was a, a huge disappointment, I think actually even Mark Hughes said, oh, I didn't expect him to be like that. But actually Jisung Park was an impact player that came in for 20 minutes yeah. and made a difference. United, yeah. Yeah, so... But that wasn't for me to know. I mean, the manager should have done his homework and checked and looked at his position and looked at where he played and looked at all that. So I think there was a, there was a lack of care in the selection of players. Because well, one thing that struck me at the time, sorry, Dave, again, right. was we ended up with two World Cup goalkeepers in green and Cesar. Mm. And I'm sort of pinching myself thinking, I don't even think top five clubs 
mm. have got that. Mm. I mean, that, that just seemed insane well, well, to me. On that, we knew at the time, this is not an in-hindsight thing, the fans knew at the time this is not going to work, having two top-class goalies mm. who both expect to play. So presumably there must people in the club must have been thinking the I same think, thing. I think, well, there were two things. One, there was um, an opportunity to get Julio Cesar, which appeared after Norwich. We panicked a bit, right? We We got hammered. In in the first game, we looked we looked very dodgy at Norwich. And Rob looked dodgy, and there was a bit of panic. And Cesar came on. It was a Brazilian World Cup keeper, and we thought, well, we could move Rob along. That was that was the uh, transfer right. him. Yeah, how? Yeah. So that didn't happen, and that's okay. Some of the lessons, right? Um, why didn't Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? Work out, and why did you make that decision at that time to mm. move him on? Well, Jimmy was we were we were looking at Kenny Jacket and Jimmy at the same time. I think the the feeling was, I mean, Burton were doing very well. You can say it was Gary Routes' team. I don't know who knows, but he came in. He interviewed very well. He was very passionate. Um, he got a lot of we got a lot of good references from a lot of people, and. Uh, we wanted to play attacking football and we thought he was a striker, right? But actually, yeah. Jimmy was very defensive-minded. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, <laughs> if, you look at, if you look at all the results that Burton had had under him, there yeah. was lots of one yeah. and But that we asked him about that, and you know, it's not for me to go through all the interview process, but we did ask about that. So it didn't work out. You know, it didn't... And he, and he Maybe, in hindsight, he spent a lot of time on trying to build a team around Cherry. Yeah. And I think that was, that's where we lost it a little bit, you know, because Cherry was great, but we couldn't build a team around him, in our opinion. So the, the, the TV sting didn't affect you? No, it? no, no, no. That was, that was 100%. The Telegraph sting. Yeah. Jimmy Claus. Yeah. 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 No, no. We did our own investigation. Very good at speeches. It was very clear that, uh, <laughs> that, that it wasn't... Uh, so what, what what is the process, Tony, for a manager then? Um, who makes that decision? Um, is it a committee decision? Is it you and Les? How does it work? I think now um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's done through a process. I'm not going to go through what that process is, but it is a process. And like anything, we have to, to keep looking and seeing whether we have the best uh, at the moment and what's available out there. The process will be every day. I think what we've learned is that you've just got to keep on the lookout every day and see how we can enhance this club. So, But it's a process, and I think you begin to see how the club is now vis-a-vis when I first came in, in terms of the scouting reports. Mm-hmm. And we have the same thing for managers, and we're looking and learning and seeing and looking in other countries and seeing sports medicine in other countries, and we're just much wiser. Where you know, if you were to say the three wise men, um, Amit, Ruben, and myself, we're a lot wiser. We haven't found Jesus yet, <laughs> uh, but uh, we're wiser than we were seven years ago. And you're happy with? I mean, I clearly you know what you're going to say, but you're happy with the, the current manager and the job he's doing, and the director of football as well. I think. Um, look, like anything, um, I, I think that the manager's had his highs and has had his lows. Um, and I think, you know, everything has to be evaluated at the end of every season. Um, 
And so, you know, we just have to wait and see. Um, we'll have to analyze and say at the end of the season, are we happy? Is he happy with us as shareholders? Is he happy with the squad? All these things. And then you make your decisions from there, right? Um, director of football, yeah, I think Les and, uh, Les and Ian have done a, a, a good job with what the deck of cards they've been dealt, right? We've, fans forget, you know, every week I'm looking at, geez, when you look at the injuries, who are we going to play? You know, we, we, we didn't have a back line at one stage of the season. Um, yes, I mean, I, you know, and Ian won't deny, I kept saying, can't we play not five at the back? Like, I was a broken record. Um, but then I'm also told regularly, you can't pick teams, you can't do this, you can't, do, and I don't want to. But as mm. a fan, I'm allowed to say, why don't we play four four two? Right, um, you're the only one. So, uh, but I mean, you know, you, you you come in and you see goals coming in, you see goals leaking, etc. So, it's easy to be manager. It's easy to be chairman and say, do this, do that, do this. Right. So, a deck of hands. So, I think they've both done an okay job. Are they both the best in the world? No. Am I the best chairman? Certainly not. Have I got lots to learn? Every day I'm learning. Can Les Ferdinand be a better director of football next season 100% because you can't buy experience you can't buy time but have we got a guy who's honest who's a great ambassador of the club who works his socks off for the benefit of the club Les is that I mean that's that's priceless and you know so we we keep but is he the best in the world no am I the best in the world no but as long as we're willing to learn as long as we're not stuck in the way we are then you know, we move forward. Um, you, you mentioned earlier about having that chat with uh, Josh Bowler. Um, are you going to have to do a similar thing with some of our other players like Jack Robinson? Well, I think we've got contracts now. And I think players also know we've got... Um, we've got... They, they see a future, right? One thing I missed out, and I missed out with Paul, one of the other successes I think we've done is our loan system. We've, you know, we sent players on loan. They came back better players, as he being the the best example. Um, <clears throat> our goalkeeper in Blackpool, you know, is is Lumley. is being rated very highly mm. for a variety of reasons. So we've now got a system. We're already planning on which players we're going to put on loan um, for next season. Uh, which players are borderline? Can mm. they make the first team? This never happened before, right? We never had anyone to loan. No. In reality, right? Um, so that's another big success of this season. And I think the loans have come back stronger. And we've got Chapito, who's doing, you know, he had a bit of an injury, but he's coming back stronger, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, what was the question? I was basically <laughs> essentially saying Jack Robinson, for instance, is out of contract yeah. uh, this summer. Yeah. Um, there's talk that he's going to go somewhere else. Um, are you going to have that same conversation? Ah, right. With- well, I mean, Jack Robinson. That's a very different situation from a younger younger player. So, but I think every player knows our ambition. Every player knows um, what we're trying to achieve, and every young player knows what they can achieve here. Josh Bowler's disappeared. He's not even playing for the under twenty threes. You know, so I think he's. And I exactly said that to him. I think you might go back two steps. Um, players are smarter than that and they can the players that with the younger players we have and so but ultimately you know we're not going to let Josh Bowler we didn't let go cheaply 
Um, and some of our young players are rated very, very highly. We're not a selling club. Um, we don't need to. And so we're going to fight hard to keep our players. So it, it's not fair to say that every player is up for sale. Look, every right player course. is up for sale. I think any, any manager says they're not, or any club owner says they're not, then they're lying, right? I mean, um, if someone puts a 200 million check in front of Daniel Levy, he'll sell Harry Kane yeah. and that'll pay for his stadium. I think that's naive to say no players have sell it. No player is for sale. Oh, sorry, every player is for sale at the right price. I think we'd be stupid not to be like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. but we're not gonna give them away, right? We mean, don't need to. We sort of almost become the victims of our own success, success yeah. here with the likes of Eze yeah. and Young Smith coming through. Yeah. I mean, the concern is that you know they're just gonna you know this is paper talk, but you know stuff that Eze was interested in Tottenham and blah blah blah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, what. We just have to take it one day at a time. But I think we've got some sensible young lads who know that playing is more important than wearing a a nice big club shirt at under-18 level and not doing anything. I think the thing is you've got to look at it. The smart person would look at it and say, we Sterling and Josh were two that were sold from the youth product um, side of things, but we're not selling first-team players at profits. We're still making losses and, and paying mm. people off. So mm. I guess the thing is it's going to take a few years to turn Correct. that around. I mean, I think you've got... A lot of players that you've mentioned the young players, but we've got to have to fight hard to keep some of our senior players as well. Mm. A lot of those players are worth a lot more than when we bought them, right? So, so those are all heading in the right direction, right? Mm. From, from when I first came, we were paying players to leave. Mm. Okay. I don't blame you. So I want you to I want you to kind of put it into perspective. Yeah. We're now talking about fighting to keep our players. That's progress. Right, I mean, however you want to look See, at it. I always said that David Davis when he was at QPR because he used to say like things like, "Oh, you know, you've got Chelsea down the road. God forgive me for spoiling the podcast, and you got Fulham and you got Arsenal and Spurs." But I would always say, "Bring them here, show them that they can make it out there." Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. a Chelsea player could be loaned out forty times and never actually go anywhere. Yeah. We've got a bit, but that again goes back to Warren Farm to have something that you can point to. Well, I think I th- I slightly disagree. You're hundred okay. percent right about it. what I disagree slightly is yes, we need Warren Farm. I don't don't disagree with that, but Essie's come out without Warren Farm, mm. right? Sterling came without Warren Farm. It's more about the coaching, the infrastructure, and the ability to play, and the ability to loan the players so these guys can play men's football, not kids' football, right? Because there's a big gap mm. uh, between under twenty three mm. and League One and League Two. So I say we've got that in place, and Warren Farm will be the icing on the cake. But we've got a position where we're finding good players, we're playing them, we're getting them to the first team, we're loaning them out. That's light years away from when I came to this club. And yes, there's a lot of things I've done wrong, but there are a few things we've done right, and that's one of the things we've done right. The only 23 leagues are far, so that's not your fault. It's just completely ridiculous yeah. setup. And club captain Ned Manua, there, there's been reports that he will is due to leave at the end of the season, mm. which would mean, in, in you know, arguably, I suppose, our two first-choice centre-backs, or at least two, you know, two of the first-choices for centre-back, him and Jack Robinson, might not be here mm. next season. Is that a fault of the club for not tying down the contracts, or, or what is that down to, and, and what can you tell us about Nedham and his situation? Oh, look, an, an offer's been made to Nedham. Um, by the club? By the club, it's up to him. The, up to him to see whether he wants that offer or not. Um, there are many other considerations. He comes from the north, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we've got to get away from the fact that we've got to be in a position that if we lose players, we replace them. 
go back to my very first point on sustainability. We can't be hung up that this club is based around one player or two players or three players. We've got to be communications. We lose Ian Taylor, we get Paul Morrissey, right? That's got to be the situation. We can't be nervous of losing players. We've got to be able to be a factory of attracting players, developing players, and signing a few players, right? So am I fearful of losing anyone anymore? No. Do I want to lose some of our key players? No, of course not. But we can't be in that position that we're fearful. We've got to be sustainable. We've got to have enough confidence that we'll attract talent there. And talent will know that they'll get a chance to play mm. and that ju- not just hang around the fringes and, and not play. Because you want to be a professional footballer, you want to play. Do you think the squad and the playing squad w- will look vastly different at the start not of the season? Not vastly different. I think that's fantastic because we've got... Guys have been with us for, I mean, it's the first time we go into a preseason with more than 15 players um, who played in the first team. Um, and so we will add, there'll be a few subtractions, but the spine of the squad will be there. And I think that's great for the club. I think if you look at any successful club, even Sheffield United going up from, you know, um, League One, they kept the basis of their squad together. Uh, if you look at Lincoln, who are now pushing for the playoffs in uh, League Two. Mm. They've kept the bulk of their their squad together. So um, I've always said, you know, consistency of manager, consistency of of squad uh, is important. You don't always get dealt a card of hands, a a deck of cards that Mm. helps you. But I think in the player's side, we've got a relatively good deck. And now we've got to subtract a few and add a few and make us better. Um, we've got a few minutes left. Mm. I wanted to turn to you, Tony Fernandez, Tony, the chairman. The, the darker-haired man on this table. The darkest haired man, man on this table. The darkest-skinned man on this table. <laughs> Invariably. I, I would also say the richest man on this table as well. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Do you think you're getting yeah, yeah, a close second? Right. You and Twitter. Yeah. Oh, lordy. Um you're on Twitter. You are. I don't think anyone can deny that you are open on Twitter, and you get your fair share of criticism. Yeah. What you do see is a lot of QPR fans and their opinions, mm. which may be skewed, uh, but but you get to see them. Mm. What do you think QPR fans think of you? I I don't know. Um, I, I I I hear. I had a cab driver yesterday who thanked me for what we're doing in the club. It wasn't Paul Finney, was it? <laughs> I thought he sells flowers. Yeah, he does. Um, no, it's, 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 it's an in-podcast yeah. joke. No, so. we do event flowers. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> um, so so uh, we... Um, I, I don't know. when, But I think Twitter... Let, let me just put that Twitter thing on, on side. I think we have to be a club that has a bit of style. I don't think... Abuse me all you want. That's, that's not a problem. But don't get personal and don't get four words and you know obscenities and insulting people who are related to me who have nothing to do with football mm. um, I think we should stand above that and criticize that's why I'm on Twitter I, I'm not I mean I get criticized by airline passengers in the same way that I get criticized but no one in my 16 years of carrying 89 million people a year I mean we were about to carry 500 million people has been abusive like I've had with some QPR fans. 
And that's why I just say, well, it's pointless. I'll just block them, right? There's, there's no point anymore. I'm open and I'm open and I'm open. But if you're going to be abusive, then there's no point in having a sensible discussion. One of them I invited to the C Club. She sat. She, was, she wasn't abusive. She had a very strong views. And I got into a direct message with her and talked her into it. She might lose a bet, actually. It was only one goal away from a target. She said our strikers would never score 30 goals. <laughs> And we need, I need one more goal and she loses the bet. And we had a great discussion and she saw some of the points and she gives views and as you give views and we listen and we try and implement it. But I think we should get away from personal views and we're all frustrated. I'm frustrated about it. That's mean we go out and hurl abuse at each other. And I think the club should be, QPR fans should be a little bit above it all. Well, some people would say that they haven't been abusive and they're a bit confused to why they've been blocked. I mean, it's your personal Twitter account. You, you want it how mm, you want. Mm. Um, what do you consider takeaway outrageous things that like you just said about family, which is disgusting and no one should have their mm, themselves mm. abused. It should be constructive. I always try and be constructive. I just mm. spell it wrongly. Um, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you consider to be over the top? Oh, with a, with I think we... we, we Look, I blocked someone the other day and then another old fan came back and said, look, he's just having a bad time. You know, give him a chance. And oh. I unblocked him straight away and I, I responded to him. Look, I think, I think, look, I'm not, I'm not a censorship guy, but I really, there's a limit to what you can take in terms of the, the abuse, right? And mm. life's too short. So maybe we start a fresh page and I unblock everybody and we see where we go. <laughs> but do you think, do you also think... But it's very, I can count the number of people I block on my hand, by the way. I've blocked but, quite a few as well. We all yeah. do. It, it, take out the abuse because yeah. that is not acceptable. The, yeah. the, the, from the people who you haven't blocked, yeah. the criticism that you get, are you hurt by it? Do you think fair enough? Or do you think, like you say before, oh, I'm busting my balls here. No, yeah. You guys haven't got a clue. How do you Well, there's a bit of Well, there's that? a bit of that. Right. So, I mean, I've just made a valid point, which I think you, to your credit, acknowledge that, oh, yeah, um, Derby has a much bigger stadium than us, so they're going to have more income than us, right? Mm. People forget about that. Uh, equally, when people complain about the, I, I want to have tickets as cheap as possible, right? That's in my DNA. I do that with the airline. And hopefully we can do that with a bigger stadium. But we need revenue. <laughs> that's, mm. that's, that's, it's, it's such a tough thing. Um, so, uh, I'm a human, I get hurt. I think criticism is fair, but some of it is just repetitive, right? I mean, when you're criticizing me for things that happened six years ago that I've said we're wrong and we're moving forward, it's like, well, we know that. What do you want me to do? Um, there is, I quit as chairman, um, and that's certainly on the cards. Uh, and that's always been on the cards. But then the shareholders said, no, stay on. It's important you stay on, etc. So I stay on. I've been very public about it. When the fans want me to go, I will go. I won't stop being a shareholder. Sorry, um, sorry just to clarify, are you saying you have had those discussions with other shareholders? Absolutely. About you yes. quitting as chairman? Yes. Based on criticism you're getting or based, based on, on criticism, not making the progress? Based on wish? results, based on a lot of things. Right. When so, was the last time you had that conversation? About a year ago. About a year, year and a bit ago. Um, so, and I'm a natural fighter, so if they say stay on, then we stay. I stay on because I would like to wrong and put the wrongs right. Um, so, but, you know, I think 
QPR fans generally have been very appreciative. And even though we've had ups and downs, you know, I'm hoping to walk around the stadium and still be alive <laughs> um, at the end of it at Birmingham to thank people for coming because you are, uh, without you, there is no club. Right. I've always, I've always felt, and forgive me for, for looking on the outside because I don't know that you've you've come into football and maybe thought it was like business. You give people something, they'll love you for it. Mm. You want to be loved, don't buy a football club because mm. people. It mm. is, it is. Well, I said it harshly. You're never going to get loved because you're no, going to piss somebody I think, off. I think, um, I think, I didn't come in to be loved. Okay, I've got many other people who love me for giving them low fares Let's and the fly football. them around the world. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> so no, I came in. Because I'm naturally competitive and I love football. Mm. I mean, whether 16,000 people love me or not isn't going to change my life. But I would like to leave a club that we brought something to it, right? Whether it's a training academy, whether it's 20 years in the Premier League, whatever. Then, you know, the aspirations when we came into QPR was to leave QPR in a better place than when we, than when we came in. Right, but we haven't achieved that. We've achieved that in some areas, but not all. Um, and the ultimate test is being in a better league position. Right, mm-hmm. that's 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 the reality. So yeah, I'd like to do that. Um, but I didn't come into the club to be loved. I didn't expect Tony Fernandez banners all over <laughs> the club, and you build me a statue one day. You know, in QPR podcast. No, that's that's fairly narcissistic and. <laughs> Not really what I'm all about. So, if you had your time again at QPR <laughs> tonight, <laughs> put that clear away, David. Yeah. If you had your time at QPR again, Tony, is yeah. there anything, or what in particular would you do differently? Wow, oh, he looks over at Paul Morrissey. Forget he's here; he's in the seat over there. <laughs> I've given you my answer, haven't I? By looking over at Paul Morrissey. <laughs> okay. Read that how you want to. If you were to meet Tony Fernandez in 2011 now, mm. what, what would you say to him? I'll Run ta- a mile? Uh, no. No. Best experience of my life still. I, hand, I stand by that. That's interesting. I stand by it. I've loved QPR. I still, my hair still stands when I come in, you know, to meet Lee Hoos and I see the empty stadium and there's a, you know, the, the grass is there. It's like, I feel at home. Mm. Um, I'm sure some of you would like to string me up in the middle of that pitch, but I still feel at home coming here, and I don't regret it for one moment because the highs have been fantastic. You know, seeing an Ezzy play, uh, the dream of developing someone from uh, the under-23 of the academy, the highs of uh, talking to the junior fans who've been talking about how they love coming here. One fan wrote and said, "There's nothing wrong with Jupiter. <laughs> I love every every everything about the match experience, the things you do before the game, mm. the family stand. You know, we we consistently win awards for what we've done with the family. Um, so no, I, I I would just tell him, slow down, take a <laughs> deep breath, and don't trust, don't." trust people on face value there's, there's a great sense on it love many trust no one yeah um, it could be uh, <laughs> I could spend a long time on that um, but anyway no I think answer the short question if I could do it all over again um, there's certain things I still would have done wrong because you can't buy experience and you can only learn experience from yourself right you look at your podcast show 
from the very first time you did it to now, it's a very we, different show. We started three weeks before you joined the club, there and we, we are much better now, <laughs> I hope. Speak for yourself. I'm still trying to learn it. <laughs> so I come um, with subtitles. But definitely, you know, slow down, research, ask more people, watch more before you make a decision. Right. And and if we ask to do a podcast with you in another seven years' time, will mm. you still be here? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I think so. Unless I really, there's no point being in a place where you're not really wanted, right? If, if I come round and everyone wants me out, provided you're going to buy me out because you're the richest person on this table. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> then <laughs> you want to see where he lives? Oh, then, then I'll. Uh, what does he do? His second house. He's a PR man, believe it or not. PR man. Ah, oh, for who? He's got his own oh. company. Oh, there you go. Right. Carry uh, on, Tony. <laughs> Carry on. So That's not what's um, called, is it? Yeah. I, I hope I'm here in seven years' time. Um, and I hope we are better than where we are now. But, but I, we don't see, know. I, I think we have improved in a lot of ways. In some, and I'm the biggest morning get on Twitter. I'll put my hand up and admit that now. Mm. But I can take the jokes about... Dortmund having the wage bill, I can take all the money that we could cry over that we've spent. Mm. But then I look at what we did for Grenfell mm. and I look at what we're doing for the Tiger Cubs and everything else. And the pride flows through your soul mm. because I think what the club did, you could never praise them enough over Grenfell because mm. my sister lives around the corner from there and we all know people in that community and mm. the club have been amazing. So for every negative, there is a massive positive. What? Sadly, we, we don't want that to happen. No, but, I mean, I think... I think um, you know, we, we've got a lot of positives. We've got a lot of negatives. But when you weigh up... Um, I'll say one more thing. I wasn't dealt a great hand from the previous owners, right? The squad wasn't blessed. Um, there wasn't an academy. The community was almost closed down, the community part of the club. Um there were fans who were unhappy about the club badge. There were fans who were unhappy about the club mascot. There was all kinds of things, right? So some of those things we've corrected. Some of the good things that the owners have done, we've kept. They did a lot of good things as well. And and so we it, it's, it's a long journey. But we're still here. You're still doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm still here as chairman. I hope in seven years' time we'll have more positive things than negative things. But boy, that sounds a long time, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the first seven years of there's, this. There's, there's, coming up to season ticket time, and yeah. obviously it's the renewal time, what, yeah. would you, what would you say to people who are iffy about renewal? Oh, I'd do it. Of, of course I'm going to yeah. say that, right? But look, um, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, when I'm planning my trips and when I'm going to come, I'm like... I'm saying I'm going to spend more time here, right? My dream is to retire and watch every single QPR game and go to every under-18 game and every under-23 game. No, I would, <laughs> it would be fantastic, right? I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm looking at like who's going to get relegated, who's going to go down, what are the next season's matches going to look like, which grounds are we going to go to, and I'm talking to my PA just today about saying, look, you know, we need to have these blocks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So... I would renew because I think there is some positivity, right? There are some young players coming through. There's some energy. Um, and who knows? But you never know, right? Everything's a risk. But there's more positive than negatives in wanting to renew or not renew. Keep right? the faith. 
keep uh, it clean. Final question here. Uh, who first started calling you Uncle Tony and what do the players call you? <laughs> That's a damn bloody good question. Your niece actually. or nephews, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I do remember, I won't mention the player's name, but a couple of players started calling me Uncle Tony. Um, and really, they should be saying Uncle David because he looks a lot older than me. Oh, um, <laughs> so rename him on the podcast yeah. now. Um, he's getting anxious because his limo's outside. <laughs> so, some of the fans have called me Uncle Tony outside. Um, I, I'm trying to remember when it came out. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm not quite sure myself, but uh, I'll take whatever you. You're call happy me, with that, though, as long as it's not um, derogatory. Brilliant, <laughs> uh, Tony. Thank you very much. Pleasure. We are really grateful for this. It's not something you had to do, um, uh, and I- I'm not aware of many other club chairmen putting themselves up like this to their fans podcast I I mean if I talk personally for a moment I, I, I hope you don't get offended by what I'm about to say I I sense slightly more paranoia about how the, you think the fans think view you than actually exists many fans you know as a fan there's a lot of things that I might not be happy with but personally speaking your energy comes through uh, and your authenticity for what you want to do to the club comes through. That's a personal view, but one that I suspect many fans have themselves. They'll make people will make their own mind up uh, about this podcast and let us know. But um, thank you very much for joining no, us. No, I, I, I appreciate it. I think the one thing that I'll always do, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's walking around the stand, whether it's I'm always available. I'm always there to listen. I'm always there to learn. Um, and I have to take some of the you know negativity with it, frustration. You've got to get your frustration out of someone and probably the easiest is me on Twitter or whatever but um, I'm always available and I'll always do our best and we'll follow up some of these great suggestions Mm. I think dialogue is critical dialogue is important dialogue is important to get two sides there's some things I'd like to say more on on FFP and stadiums and stuff but I I can't Um, but as soon as I can I will but rest assured the best interests of the club is with the shareholders we you know, we could run away. We could go do other things, right? But we love this club. We nothing made me happier than seeing QPR fans happy on that day at Wembley. It was the best, mm. apart from my children being born, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I've had some great successes in Air Asia. But I'd, after my two children, Wembley, and seeing forty-five thousand QPR fans was was just talking about it. <laughs> It was an amazing day. So don't regret it. And hopefully together, we'll try and make this club better. So thank you very much. Thank you for your time and spending all that time and going through the interview and highlighting all the tweets that (laughs) (laughs) needed to be highlighted. And thank you for your passion. The, you know, getting messages across, talking about the club, learning from you guys. I think it takes a lot. And it will never fail to amaze me, and I do have to say this, the passion of QPR fans that can traipse up halfway up the country on a Tuesday night mm. in the winter um, and come all the way down. It is an amazing thing of England. If one of the most amazing things of this country, I think, are football fans. And I salute QPR fans because you've been through hell and high water and you're still singing and you're still coming and you're still proud of 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 the team and we'll do our bit to make you prouder thank you thanks tony 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 fernandez 
Thank you very much. UPR, UPR, Rangers.